Welcome to the Nations Church Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. So cool. We had a great time in the earlier service. I have no doubt that this service is going to be the same. This word has really been burning in me and I hope I can do it justice as I share it with you today. But um, God is actually doing a beautiful thing in His church right now. I don't know if you're aware, I don't know if you've realised, but since the beginning of the year, there is just a sense of momentum. Like Nations Church is growing across the board and, and you can feel this groundswell of spiritual hunger. Like people are more determined to pray, more determined to seek the Lord. The temperature of faith is sort of rising, you know what I'm saying? It's younger people and older people are like, I'm not sure if you're aware, but incredible things are happening in our youth ministry. If you're not a parent of a teenager, not a teenager yourself, maybe you don't know, but God is on the move amongst our young people. We've got teenagers responding to the altar, receiving salvation with repentance and tears. We've seen teens who have had their bodies, their physical bodies healed. They've, had, they've been delivered from different struggles and different torments. They're living freer lives because of what Jesus is doing in their hearts. It's amazing. And I think that these young people are inspiring many older people. And the older people in turn are bringing guidance to the younger people. So there's no generational divide. Oh, Lord, help us from ever putting a generational divide in. We are about all the generations. God is for all the generations. So there's this sense with which we could move forward in the things of God together. All generations, no one left behind. It's a beautiful thing God is doing. And within an atmosphere of the Lord just sort of breaking out here and there, There's this inevitable stirring in the hearts of different individuals that are just going, Lord, I want more. Like, I want more. I want to be used by you. I want to see your spirit move. I want to operate in power and anointing and see you do great and mighty things. This, This holy desire breaks out in different hearts as we, we see Him moving and we become hungry for more of the same. You're tracking with me today. And, and I'm absolutely convinced that these holy desires we carry in our heart are deeply pleasing to the Lord. I, I really believe that a holy desire is a wonderful and beautiful starting point. But what I've also noticed is that desire alone is not enough. That God is not calling us just to simply desire the work of the Lord, but He's also asking us to prepare for the work of the Lord. And that's why I've called this message, Prepare the Way. Why don't where you're seated, just say, Prepare the Way. Prepare the Way. There's a really big difference between desire and preparation. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a big difference. I studied speech pathology at university many, many moons ago. And and when I was in my early years at uni, I need to confess I was not a very good student. I'll be honest with you all, I was um, disorganized and lazy. (laughs) There's, There's absolutely no other way to put it. That's who I was, praise the Lord, for His transformation in our lives, right? But at that point in my life, I was just disorganized and lazy. And I did desire to do well. I did desire to get good grades, but 
I wasn't really prepared to put the work in that it takes to get the good grades, you know what I'm saying? But the smartest thing I did at uni, very clever move on my behalf, I made friends with all the smart and diligent people. Yes, glory to the Lord. And it really benefited me a lot when it came to group assignments (laughs) because my friends kept me around. They loved me. They kept me around, but not for preparation and diligence. They kept me around for jokes and good times. And... (laughs) And they would allocate the tasks at the group assignment and they would give me the tasks that they felt was suitable to my level of maturity. And so they would dictate, I would touch type. And uh, (laughs) I would be responsible for going to the library and picking up the resources that they wrote down on a piece of paper very carefully, careful instructions so I wouldn't mess it up, what, what resources that they deemed I needed. And they would send me to the shops when we'd run out of snacks. And these were my... These were my group assignment tasks, and it was awesome because I would get the good grades I desired without having to do much of the work. (laughs) Don't worry, guys. (laughs) I've changed. (laughs) I grew up. There was just 17-year-old Chrissy. We've moved on. (laughs) Glory to the Lord. It was in third year. Everyone say third year. Say it with a sense of impending doom, third year. (laughs) It was in third year that my lack of preparation caught up with me. I was doing a unit at Charlie Gardner Hospital, and now I was on my own. I didn't have my friends, my smart friends to rely on. It was just me on a hospital ward with a very scary supervisor and a very sick patient in front of me, a lady who had had a stroke. And it was in that moment that my lack of preparation completely and utterly caught up with me. It was all the lectures I hadn't listened to. It was all the readings I hadn't done. It all caught up with me and I failed, rightly so. I utterly tanked that third year unit and I had to repeat third year And in hindsight, it was probably the best thing that happened to me because I pulled my socks up and uh, went on, did third year, did fourth year and graduated. Hallelujah. (laughs) But the point is, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's like being back at uni. Um, (laughs) In spite of my desire to be like a, a good and knowledgeable student and therapist, I just actually at that point in my life hadn't engaged with the process of preparation required to see desire become reality. And, and so we see in life, we see even in our life of faith, desire alone is not enough. Like wanting, uh, wanting more of God alone is not enough. We need to add to our desire a process of preparation. And and we can sing, pour your spirit out. We can sing, I want more. We can sing all of these things over and over constantly. But but sometimes we need to, the, the harsh reality is that we're not ready necessarily to receive the more that we're singing about, to receive all it is that we're declaring through song that we want. We can find ourselves unprepared. If the Lord were truly to answer every one of our prayers, if the Lord were truly to pour His Spirit out and greater power, greater anointing, greater authority, maybe in our unprepared state, maybe we wouldn't be able to handle it. Maybe we'd mess it up. And and I don't believe that this is hypothetical because we've seen it happen time and time again in Christendom where a move of God has been totally messed up by people. 
It's happened. It happens. Sadly, it happens. Maybe there's someone who wanted to take the glory for themselves. Maybe there's someone who hasn't fully crucified their ego. Maybe there's someone that manipulated the power of God and the presence of God to build a reputation for self rather than give honor and glory to Him. We're all nodding because we all know that that happens. How many churches are split because of disunity in men's hearts and and corruption in men's hearts? How many churches are split because somebody, when I say men, I'm talking generic, right? There's no gender bashing here. No, uh, you know, when, when people, you know, still have sin issues, And unholy desires that still bait them, that still have them. Maybe the love of money is still deeply inside of us and that corrupts what the Lord is wanting to do. Maybe the love for people is underdeveloped in us so we hurt people and we burn people. And instead of bringing unity, we bring division and so on and so forth so that God may pour something out but people aren't prepared to handle what He releases and therefore we mess it up. It's very sobering, but I say that to say we don't want to be those people. Nations Church, I don't want us to be those people. And I think sometimes it's an act of God. It's, it's an act of His mercy to actually withhold an outpouring, to actually withhold a greater anointing or authority um, because He knows when people aren't prepared to carry what He releases, it can end in disaster. It can actually be problematic and not glorious. It's better to have less, I think, in an atmosphere of peace than to have an outpouring that we're not wise enough or secure enough or mature enough to actually steward on the earth. You know, and for those of us who are parents in the room, we would understand these principles. Imagine if you had an eight-year-old who has a desire for a gun, (laughs) You know, you're not going to release that thing to them. You, you know that they can't steward that. You know that if we were to release that to them, they might damage themselves. They might damage other people and good parents wouldn't, just wouldn't let that happen. You know, if there's ever going to be any stewardship of something that powerful, you know that they need to grow in understanding. They need to grow in strength. They need to grow in wisdom. They need to grow in all sorts of ways. And then maybe when you're 16, right? We can go down to the shooting range. We can go down to a controlled environment, a place where I'm confident that what I release to you, you will be able to carry without doing damage, without, without hurting anyone around you. And until then, my mercy would withhold. Are you tracking with me today? So we see this principle of preparation in God. That he's not just looking for desire in his people. He's looking for preparation in his people. It's right there in the Proverbs chapter 13. It says that the appetite of the sluggard or the appetite of the lazy person, it craves, it desires, but it gets nothing. It's the desire of the diligent that will be abundantly satisfied. Same sort of thing in Hebrews, you know, he's a rewarder of the diligent seeker. You know, it's right there in Scripture. We just read it. We all desire. We all want good things in God. But desire alone is not going to cut it. It's the desire of the diligent that's going to be fully, abundantly satisfied for the one who's prepared to add to desire this process and this work of preparation to make me ready. 
God preparing his people is everywhere in Scripture. In, in New Testament and Old Testament alike, we see the preparation process happening in God's people. You think about Jesus' parable of the ten virgins. There was five wise, there was five foolish. The five wise ones were, were cited by Jesus as the ones who had prepared. They had the ones who got their own oil. You know, maybe you think about the Apostle Paul. He didn't just have a Damascus road encounter and then suddenly, you know, ta-da, I'm already, you know, coming to plant a church in a region near you. That's, that's not the way it went in the life of the Apostle Paul. He had the encounter and then he went into a place of preparation. And for three years, he was preparing in Arabia. Imagine the mindsets that the Lord would have needed to be getting out of him. The Pharisaical way of thinking, it was all there in the process of preparation being worked on by the Lord. In, in the Old Testament, we see Israel. We see Israel as a nation on the border of conquest. They are just about to take new territory. They are just about to go away they had never gone before and possess a promise, possess a territory that they had never seen before. And it was in that place that Joshua, their leader, commands them, before you enter this new territory, he says this, sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow I will do a mighty thing among you. So there's this call from Joshua to Israel, prepare yourselves, get yourselves ready. God is wanting to come to do a victorious thing and a conquering thing and a promise fulfilling thing. But the point was, would you be ready for it? Would you be ready for it? And we see this with Jesus and his 12 disciples as well. He, he intentionally and very carefully prepared their lives, prepared the lives of the 12 for all those three years that he walked with him uh, before he released them into their calling as apostles. Can you imagine how badly the 12 would have messed up the early church if Jesus had just spent three weeks with them? Or, or three months with them or something. They would have, they would have messed it up. Because in those early days of their discipleship, they were full of immaturity. They were full of all sorts of competitions and, and, and wrestles within themselves and they're jostling for this and they're arguing over that. Remember James and John came and wanted to sit at Jesus' right hand and at his left and they kept on arguing amongst themselves about who was the greatest in their group. Remember those sorts of things as we read the Gospels, we, we see it. They were stuck in a mindset at that time of it's all about me. And Jesus had to spend intentional time preparing them. He needed to get those earthly mindsets out of them so that they could receive a kingdom mindset so that they could be ready. And he would say things to them like, no boys, that's not the way it works in my kingdom. This is what you get to be. You get to be a servant of all. You don't get to exalt yourself, you get to die to yourself. Two very different things. And all these types of teachings really embodied the types of preparation that Jesus took them through. And this was so important because the book of Acts chapter 2 was coming. Come on, am I preaching to the church today? You know, Acts chapter 2 was coming. Outpouring was coming. The early church was coming. God's Spirit was coming in a greater measure. And He needed them to be able to be ready to steward it and not mess the early church up. Amen? Jesus hasn't stopped preparing His disciples. 
for you and for me, for us in this house today, for online, Jesus is still in the business of preparing his sons and preparing his daughters to carry what he wants to release. There is much more work to do. There's many more kingdom things that he wants to release. And Jesus is preparing people. And sometimes we can read the scriptures and we can judge James and John. Oh, guys, tut, tut. You know, we can judge Peter. We can judge their fumblings. But the truth is we can struggle with exactly the same stuff. And there can be immaturities in us. They can be wrestles for the affirmation, the you know, um, recognition of men and the notice of people. We can have impure motives so that we think we're waiting for God, but maybe He's waiting for us. You know, we think we're waiting for Him to outpour and to break through, but maybe He's waiting for us to present ourselves again as living sacrifices, present ourselves for a deep work of preparation. Like if your loved ones were to get saved right now, are you ready to selflessly disciple them? Like, like if you, every time you laid hands on someone and prayed for them, if you had a prophetic word, if you had a word of knowledge, let me ask you this question. Is your ego ready to give God all the glory? Or are you going to take a little bit of credit for yourself? Are you going to get puffed up a bit in spiritual pride? Thinking like, you know, these sorts of things are real things. You know, if God was to give you a greater platform of responsibility, of influence... Are you ready to steward that with consistency and faithfulness in season and out of season to carry that thing with diligence? Are we ready? So God's looking for a people who are, yes, full of holy desire, but have also engaged ourselves with a deep work of preparation that matches the desire and actually gets us ready. When we think of preparation in Scripture, it's highly likely that we think of the ministry of John the Baptist, right? John the Baptist, his whole ministry was a ministry of preparation. And it was John's job to prepare the people for what God was about to release on the earth. See, Jesus' ministry was coming. And John was tasked with getting the people ready. And he bursts onto the scene after 400 years of silence. For 400 years, there's been no prophetic declaration. There's been no divine activity. And, and John breaks that silence with, with some prophetic declarations. He says, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, I am not the one, but the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. I'll baptize you with, with repentance from sin, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. This was John's voice breaking through the atmosphere at the time. It was in essence saying to anyone who would listen, would you prepare yourselves? Will you repent? Will you get yourselves ready? Because God is on the move. He's wanting to do a new thing and you need to be ready for it. And hundreds of years prior to John's birth, Isaiah actually prophesied this very scenario. He talked into prophetically the preparatory ministry of John that would come. And we read about that in Isaiah 40, starting at verse 3. 
This is what Isaiah pens about John the Baptist, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. He says, prepare the way of the Lord. Would you make straight in the desert a highway for our God? Every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight. The rough places made smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken." such a powerful declaration from Isaiah there and fast forward some 700 years after Isaiah penned this text we've just read John the Baptist bursts onto the scene to fulfill those very words he literally prepared the way for Jesus Christ and but it's at this point that Isaiah's prophetic writings get a little bit weird it's like what do you mean a highway for our God What do you mean mountains brought low? What do you mean crooked places made straight? What's it all talking about? Because when you read the early chapters of the Gospels with the life of John the Baptist, you realise very quickly he did not come onto the scene with earth-moving equipment. You understand there was no bulldozers, no steamrollers, no no literal highway for our God, Quinana and Mitchell. Northbound and south. That's not how this was. That's not how this road. Isaiah's language was clearly not talking about a preparation of physical terrain. He was talking about a preparation of heart. Heart. Not building a literal highway for our God, but what has to happen on the inside of you and of me to prepare our heart to receive of what God wants to do next. And this prophetic literature, sure, it has its fulfillment closely in the return of Israel from exile and more ultimately in the ministry of John the Baptist. So we see that. But I believe that this prophetic text actually leaves us with a principle of preparation. It's a preparation principle that remains for you and I today. It was obviously relevant to them then. But it's really relevant to us right now that whenever God wants to do a mighty work amongst the people and pour out His Spirit, firstly, He wants to do a work of preparation in the hearts of His children. He needs to make us ready for what He's bringing next, for what He's doing next. And there's keys here out of Isaiah chapter 40. If we're willing to listen, there's keys here as to the type of preparatory work that the Lord is wanting to do in our heart, even this day, where it says in verse 4, it says, Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill brought low, and the crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places made smooth. And as I was preparing for this message, those three words, low, straight, and smooth. Low, straight, and smooth. It just jumped out of me. And I believe that these words are speaking to us today, right now, about the type of work God wants to do in our hearts. And the scripture says in Isaiah, we just read it, every mountain and hill brought low. I believe that God is looking for a people who will be quick to identify the mountains of pride in their life and make them low. Quick 
to commit to subduing every high and lofty thing that exalts itself above the knowledge of Christ in our lives. Bring those high things low. It's a, the, a people that would be quick to not just hear the Word, but put it into practice as well. To not just know the Scripture, but actually live the Scripture. Because I tell you what, God is not going to pour out greater grace on our mountains of pride. Am I preaching to a church today? He will not do that. The Scripture says He opposes the proud. He's not going to work with a proud people. He's only going to pour out greater grace onto a humble people. If we want to prepare the work of the Lord in our heart, it's going to take us seeing that mountain of pride and bringing it low. As I goes on to say that crooked places will be made straight. God wants to correct those crooked places in our heart. The idea of crookedness in Scripture has to do with deception. It has to do with corruption. It has to do with things being twisted. And I believe God is wanting to do a deeper work in our character. He's wanting to do a deeper work in the area of our integrity and bring purity to our thoughts and our intentions and our desires and our motivations and deal with any areas of sin and rebellion. Those things that are likely to actually corrupt the work of God should it be poured out on our lives. He wants to make those crooked things straight in Jesus' name. And the other thing He wants to do is make the rough places smooth. I believe that speaks to us about areas in our heart that perhaps resistant to the work of the Lord. Areas that are stopping the flow of His Spirit, at resistant to receiving what He wants to pour out. Maybe it's the rough places of unhealthy identity. Maybe it's the rough places of lies we've believed about ourselves. Maybe it's the rough places of fear and intimidation and all of those sorts of things. Things that we've thought maybe about ourselves or about other people that are just incompatible with what God wants to do next. Low, straight and smooth. It may have been written about thousands of years ago, but this is the type of work God wants to do right now in you and in me, to make us low, straight and smooth, to prepare the way of the Lord. There's some things we need to know about preparation. As we bring this sermon to a landing, I want to say that preparation often happens in private, not in public. You need to know if you have a heart to prepare the way of the Lord inside of you. It's going to be a work that happens in private, not in public. That's not to say God can't use you while He changes you. Glory to God, He can and He does. Otherwise, none of us would ever get used, right? Thinking about 17-year-old me, hallelujah. (laughs) But it doesn't negate the fact that a lot of this preparation work happens in, in private, we, we can get really excited about the public ministry and seeing things happen in the eyes of people, but a lot of the preparation work of God in our life, it happens in our inner man. It happens as we um, commit to the secret place with Jesus. It happens behind those closed doors and it's not all very glamorous. You know, not on a stage, not on a blog site, a social media page or whatever, but it's in that deep part of our heart as he shapes and as he refines. You think about King David in the secret place of the shepherd's pasture, he was being prepared. 
And in that cave at Adullam, when he hid out like a criminal, he was being prepared. And when he sought the face of the Lord, even in hard times, he was being prepared. And even when he made godly decisions that nobody else was watching, he was being prepared. It was part of the preparation in a secret place. Another thing, preparation is not to be confused with punishment. Some preparation hurts. Who's ever been prepared by the Lord? Some preparation is really painful as the Lord deals with particular areas of our hearts. The process of making the mountain low (laughs) and making the crooked straight. Who knows that that can be a brutal process. And if we have an immature understanding, we can confuse the pain of preparation with punishment and we can misinterpret it saying the Lord is not for me. The Lord hasn't called me. He's abandoned me. He's not with me and these sorts of things. These things are a lie. It's probably just the pain of preparation. Just the pain of preparation. What does John 15 say? To the fruitful branch he prunes. That it'll be even more fruitful. It's not punishment. It's just the pain of preparation. You think about Joseph in Potiphar's house, in the prison and everything that happened there that was so disappointing and so unjust and unfair, it would have been very easy for Joseph to misinterpret that whole season as the punishment of God. God, you've abandoned me. You're not for me. You haven't called me, that sort of thing. But the end of the story reveals Joseph was being prepared, thoroughly prepared. And he was having his character honed. And he was having his integrity and his convictions be rock solid so that when God finally released him to what he'd always been called to, to lead a nation, that he could do so with absolute faithfulness and provide in Egypt a womb for the nation of Israel to grow, develop and be used by the Lord. My final point as singers and musos come and join me is preparation requires personal responsibility. To every single person under the sound of my voice today, guess what? (laughs) Preparation requires personal responsibility. I can't take responsibility for your preparation and you cannot take responsibility for mine. It lies within the hands of every individual, just like my uni friends could not take responsibility for my third year prac. Just like the five wise virgins could not take responsibility for those five virgins who had no oil. It's a work of personal responsibility, this work of preparation. And if you don't do the work at some time, at some point that will be exposed in you. It doesn't matter if the church is in revival, are you prepared? Are you prepared? It doesn't matter if you've got God-fearing friends, God-fearing family. The question is, what are you personally doing to prepare the way of the Lord in your own life and your own heart? The Word says, to whom much is given, much is required. And we like the idea of much given. Like we love the idea of much given. We're open arms, open hearts to much given. But much given is not standalone. 
Much given comes buddied up with much required. Much faithfulness required, much generosity required, much accountability required, much consistency required, much required. So we have to take personal responsibility to be the sort of people that can live up to these much requirements. So we'll be able to handle it when much is given from the hand of God. If you're content right now with where you're at, like if you've seen all you want to see in God, if you don't, don't really want more, if you're happy, you know, content with how much you've seen of Him in your marriage and your family and your workplace and your community and all those sorts of things. Well, if, if that's you, then just absolutely dismiss everything I've shared today. You know, absolutely disregard it and, and write it off. But if you're a person that you're actually hungry for more, you actually want to see more than what you've seen. Maybe you're sitting here on some promises and they're yet to be fulfilled. And you, and you have a desire in your heart because there's more people around you that you need know need to know the love and saving grace of Jesus Christ. If we want more, if we want anointing, if we want authority, if we want power, then we must be a people who prepare the way. A people who actually crack open our hearts again and say, God, you can do whatever you need to do in me to prepare the way in me. God, I will move beyond just a holy desire, just a song on Sunday, and I will actually give myself to a process of preparation. I will build a highway for my God not a highway of recreation, not a highway of career, not a highway of relationships, not a highway for all these temporal things. They're not bad things, but they will come to nothing. I will build a highway for my God. I will, I will be fixed on His purposes. If there's mountains in me, make them low. And crookedness in me, make it straight. And rough things in me, make them smooth. Because it's to those low, straight and smooth places that the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And just like in the days of John the Baptist, that through our lives that all men might see Jesus. Because we are a people who are ready, who prepared the way. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Nations Church podcast. For more info, please visit nationschurch.com.